My name's Colin. Uh, I guess, based on um, Morgan's wonderful introduction of his family, I would be one of the pudgy guitarists. <laughs> Less skinny, but... Um, and uh, if you um, have been coming here for a little while, you'll know that we've been making our way through the book of Daniel. So if you have a Bible or a smartphone or whatever you use to follow along, we're going to be looking at Daniel 7 onwards, okay? I, I won't get there immediately. Oh, and I do want to say welcome back, Rebecca. Yep, mildly embarrassing moment. Uh, okay. <clears throat> but I'm going to start by quoting someone. <clears throat> I don't think I can put enough fire or brimstone in this. You've got to preach on the end times, Colin. Um, Russell was a bearded farmer, and he was having his go in the pulpit, and he was preaching up a storm. He was 50 minutes into a 20-minute sermon, with no sign of stopping, when I had to interrupt him um, and politely ask him to wrap it up. And there was a sea of approving heads, because I don't like that. I don't like that kind of conflict. And then Russell, who was quite narked with me, said, you've got to preach on the end times, Colin. Fair enough. Only I became a Christian in the 1980s, and I was pretty keen about this Jesus character. I took all of my books down to Smith's Bookshop. Remember Smith's Bookshop? Old people nod if they're from Christchurch. I sold all my books, and I walked into the one-way Christian bookshop, and I bought, well, not nearly as many books as I thought I'd be able to buy. I bought a whole bunch of books because I was pretty keen on Jesus, and I wanted to know. There was no YouTube in those days. You couldn't just listen to podcasts of anything. Well, well, here's what I discovered. I discovered that being a Christian doesn't make you a good writer. Not automatically. I read a lot of tosh. And I read a lot about the end of the world because in the late 80s, it was a thing. Um, Ronald Reagan was in power and there, there was a nuclear war was lurking around and I'd watched I Wished We'd All Been Ready. Older people might at this stage be nodding and remembering. And I read. I read things like um, there was a plot to get us all tattooed, and this tattoo was going to be the mark of the beast. And in fact, the number 666 was on everybody's credit card. Not true. But this is what I read. I read that there was a supercomputer in Belgium called the Beast of Belgium that had the details of everybody on it. Now, actually, that was a bridge too far for me at that stage. I worked with computers, and... They weren't up to it at that stage. It wasn't going to be possible. Um, it probably is now. The thing is that for me, end times seem to be this paranoid stuff. The world is going to end. It's all going to go bad. And, and, and actually, many years later, I, a lot of what I read has failed the test of time. It's what people thought at that time. And I, one of the things I didn't realize is that it, wasn't, it was more of an, a, an American question than anyone else's. And I didn't tweak to this until I read um, this um, English biblical scholar, N.T. Wright. He said he constantly had people inviting him to America to go and speak about end times. And he would say, well, that's your question. That's what interests you guys. In England, we're not so interested in this. And then he would tell a joke, which I quite liked. He said, it's like, it's like the story of the Buddhist who goes to a pub in Ireland. So he's having a beer in the pub. And a couple of people come up to him, and, and please forgive me, I can't do an Irish accent, and say, um, so, would you be a Protestant or a Catholic then? And the Buddhist says, well, I'm a Buddhist. Oh. There's a pregnant pause. And they say, so would that be a Protestant Buddhist or a Catholic Buddhist then? 
You get it? It's, they've, they've taken the question that's really important to them and they've put it on another context. And N.T. Wright said, um, and from the 1950s, American Christ evangelical Christianity was very, very interested in end times, in what we call the apocalypse. You've heard that phrase? Apocalyptic stuff. They were fascinated with it in a way that actually a lot of other Christian places weren't. And if you don't think it has an influence on us, have a look at this. If I've got this right. Oh, don't do this to me. Technology is often your friend, but sometimes it's a bit toey. Let's try that again. Here is a list of the apocalyptic movies that have come out in the last 10 years. Now, I know it's too fast for you to follow, but I'm guessing that if you're reading, you'll have spotted some movies. You go, hang on, I saw that. We've got in the West a real interest in movies and stories about everything ending. And it colors Western society. But we have a bit of a problem in the West. Eastern countries not quite so interested in this. There's something going on in there. One of the reasons that we struggle talking about this kind of stuff is that there's some things we're good at talking about in the West and some things we're not. And there's this sociologist, a guy called Hebert, who says, we're really good at talking about cosmic stuff. Heaven, love, big concepts. We're, in the West, we're really good at that. And we're really good with science at talking about the physical stuff. But we don't know what to do when someone says, I had a dream. Or I sense this. He says, in the West, he, he called it the excluded middle, something that as you reach middle age, you'd kind of like to have. But they, this business of, we're not very good at talking about really spiritual, eerie-fairy, fuzzy stuff. I think he's right. Actually, having lived in an Eastern culture, I think that's true. And for that reason, most series that go through the book of Daniel stop after Daniel chapter 6. We do the lion's den, and then we move on. And when I was preparing for this, I thought, nah, that's not fair to the Bible, is it? We should do the next bits. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I really don't fancy five weeks of sermons on this topic. I think this is going to be quite hard. So I'm going to try and do them all in one. So welcome to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 onwards. We're going to have a look at Daniel's dreams and visions and see what they might say to us. Now, again, I want to say to you, my experience of end times teaching has been, it has been used to divide the church. When people signed up to mission organizations, they had to declare what their particular view on this was. And it's supposed to unite us. It's supposed to give us hope. This is how it's supposed to be used. And my observation, not quite so much. It's, I've seen it being used as a way to scare people and scar people. And I'm not so interested in that. Okay, so what I want to do, if we're going to look at this kind of dreams and visions thing, if a prophet existed today and was communicating, how would they do so? Well, very probably, in, uh, back in the old days of the prophets, they did these strange things. They might go and lie uh, naked outside the city on one side so that people come up and ask them, what are you doing? Or break a yoke or these kind of things which for us are just too weird. So I'm going to play you a video clip. I'm going to talk over the top of it and um, I'll give you a, a semi-apology. I wanted to play the original video clip. It's quite, it has some shock value in it um, and I have edited it so it has less. Okay, and I've done that because I didn't want you stuck on it. Um, this is from a a guy called Childish Gambino. He's a rap star, and it's an odd video. It's quite graphic. Um, and I'm going to talk over the top of it. 
We see an old guy, he walks in, starts playing a nice tune on the guitar. We'll see that in a moment. Here we go. Looks like a nice song, doesn't it? Listen to the guitar. We just want a party. Nice. Hang on, there's someone else there. And he's not wearing a shirt. And now watch his face. Looking kind of, yeah, in a groove. And well, there's some odd expressions going on here. And okay, and they're singing, we want a party, we just want the money. And now. This is where I've edited it. He pulls out a gun. And I've cut that out and hear the music change. This is America, this dark, oppressive stuff. And we're back to the dancing, and there's people running in the background. And so you've gone from this happy clappy, oh, we're back into the dancing. And again, I've edited it so it goes aboard a little bit. And we cut to a church scene. Here they are, the church choirs singing, dancing. It's a great time being had. Happy sounds. This is all good, isn't it? And in comes the star, and he's got this curious dance, and he comes forward, and he's happy, and then someone throws him an AK-47, and he shoots him. Can you see the shock it has? There's even shock for this if you haven't seen this before, if you are with me having edited it. What's going on here? Apart from you going, Con, why are you showing me this? Um, partly, you guys have all seen it, haven't you? Yep. Because this, it didn't make the TV, because it was a bit too heavy to play on the TV, actually. Um, but on the web, this is someone who's doing, saying something about gun violence in America. And there's all this symbolism. He's topless, but wearing chains, and he's wearing the kind of trousers that African-American slaves wore. And in the movie, in the video clip, you can see this balance between here we all are dancing and having a good time, and then suddenly from out of nowhere there is a gun crime and someone is violently killed. And as the video goes on, in the background you see police running and all sorts of stuff going around with the dancers at the front. So he is speaking very much the way a prophet would with some shock. And one of the things we miss when we read the Old Testament is we miss the shock. It's familiar to us. We don't see that kind of jarring thing. Now I'm playing it for a couple of reasons. I played it for a couple of reasons. One was to say, this kind of symbolism is the way that dreams and visions work. They put you in a position and they jar you. Okay, so my apologies. Try not to get stuck on it. So let's just have a little look. See, um, now I'm going to describe something. Another case. This is kind of to get us thinking about what apocalyptic stuff could be like. There's this huge fight with a whole bunch of legendary figures, and there's a mechanical robot guy and a big angry green guy and a purple guy wearing a shiny jewel on his head and an even bigger purple guy with a, who has a glove and lots of jewels. What am I talking about? Infinity War. Yep, I'm talking about Avengers Infinity War. Actually... This kind of stuff, if you're wanting to read apocalyptic stuff from the Bible, this isn't a bad way to start, because it's graphic imagery. And I had a, a New Testament lecturer who used to say the best way to make sense of the book of Revelation is to read it like you're watching a movie. You don't try and analyze everything. You let it wash over you, looking for the bigger story of it. And that's kind of what we go on. Sometimes I think the people who draw this stuff best are the kind of 
um, Marvel guys. Oh, I've lost that one. Because dreams and visions aren't only about what they, you think. You also want to feel them. If you wake up in the middle of the night because you've had a dramatic dream, is it what's driving you? Is it just this? It's this. And then your head tries to make sense of it. Make sense? Okay, here we go. Actually, I'm going to start off with the first half of Daniel. I'm going to give you a brief cap, um, recap of what we've seen. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel is kidnapped, and God is faithful, and Daniel prospers. And we are told that Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Happy with that? Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and it troubles him. And the, Daniel is given the mystery of what the dream is about. And we're told... Daniel says there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So Daniel's the guy who gets what the mysteries are about. Here's a statue and a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, feet of baked clay, and the statue is smashed by huge rocks, which becomes a mountain, all of which gets interpreted as, listen, king, you're great, but your kingdom's going to fall and other people will take over, and eventually God will set up a kingdom that will last. Okay, that was Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 3... Daniel's mates are asked to bow down to a statue, and they say, yeah, nah. Yep, that was quick, wasn't it? Daniel chapter 4, another dramatic dream. In this dream, there's a tree, and everything's great, and the tree is cut down, and the stump's left behind, and Daniel interprets this for the king and says, mate, you're pretty great, but you're going to get cut down. And that is, in fact, what happens. And the reason the dream is given, well, as far as we can tell, Daniel says, you should renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. So the purpose of the dream was to try and get the king to go, change how you live. Yes? Um, which the king doesn't do. So, so um, Daniel chapter 5, there's a party that goes on, handwriting on the wall, and Cohen did a great job of speaking about that. And Daniel chapter 6, we had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Happy so far? That's the first half of Daniel. Make sense? What have we seen so far? Well, dreams seem to be sent as these warnings to say, change your behavior. Um, generally, we see that great as this kingdom is, whatever you're doing may be great, but it will actually fall until the one who comes to establish one that's really great and will last. And the last thing we see is Daniel, you want to know what a dream or vision is? Daniel's your man, isn't he? Got that? That's the first half of Daniel. Let's move on to the second half. Now, I've cut and pasted some Im images. Daniel is troubled and he has a dream of four beasts. There's a lion with eagle wings and a beast that looks like a bear and a beast that looks like a, record, uh, uh, a leopard with wings and a super mega beast with iron teeth and ten horns. And I don't know how you draw this stuff. And then... He sees a smaller horn. Now, horns are a description of power, and there's a depiction of the Ancient of Days, a throne and many people, and the mega beast gets destroyed. And one like a son of man with all authority and power, and everyone worships him. And Daniel, after the stream, is quite troubled. So, and when he is interpreted, when this is interpreted for him, He's told it's a bunch of kingdoms that follow each other and finally one that will last. That's Daniel chapter 7. So if you've got your Bible, check for Daniel chapter 8. In Daniel chapter 8, there's a vision of a ram and a goat. And the ram has two horns and the goat has horns that attack the ram and a horn is broken off and some come from other horns and against theirs multiple kingdoms and finally one that will last. And Daniel is told to seal up the vision 
because it's for the ancient future. And at this stage, Daniel says, I was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days, and I got up about the king's business, and I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. So remember in the first half of Daniel, Daniel gets it. He knows what all the visions mean. In the second half of Daniel, Daniel started to go, this is awful. I don't know what to do with this. It's beyond understanding. Okay. Remember, think Avengers movie. Big graphic imagery. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is a bit frustrated because the way he read Scripture, the way he read Jeremiah, was he thought, it's time. It's time for us to go home to Israel. And so he prays, he's, he's prays this prayer of repentance and asks God to forgive them and send them home. And he sees this angel who comes and says, Sorry, mate, this exile that was supposed to sort out Israel, it hasn't worked out, so it's going to go on for another seven times as long. Which is not what you want to hear. It's a little bit like having a building that you want to have fixed. And it was all going to be fixed about, oh, I don't know, three years ago? Way before my time. And we're not there yet. Yep, it's just the time frame that just carries on. And there's an angelic figure who comes along and says, I've been in this spiritual fight. So there's just a hint that more is going on than meets the eye. Okay, in that kind of middle thing we're not very good at talking about. And Daniel 10 to 12, Daniel, well, it's confusing. It's really a plot like Game of Thrones. There's kings of the north and kings of the south, and these kingdoms are fighting with each other. And, um, but don't worry, time comes when Daniel is told now, uh, told that everyone whose name is written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust will awake. This is from Daniel 12, 1 and 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And it says that Daniel asks, how long? When is it going to happen? Because most of the people who talk about end times, that's their interest. They want to know when is it going to happen. And I love this. Uh, this is your answer. When you're in the car and the kids ask, how long till we get there? This is what you respond. It will be for a time, times, and half a time. When will we have the new building? It will be... For a time, times, and half a time. What do you think someone's saying if they come back with that response? Yeah, they're not answering the question. They're actually deliberately, they're being an annoying dad in the car. Daniel wants to know when is this going to happen, because don't get me wrong, there's real bad happening. Daniel's got the screws on him, and he is mourning about this, and he's asking, when is it going to happen? And the reply is, it'll be for a time, times, and half a time. And Daniel writes, I heard, but I did not understand. Okay, can you see the shift again? Daniel, who used to get all the visions, now he doesn't. And at the end of the book, the last verse is directed at Daniel, and it says this to Daniel, As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. What's he saying? Hasn't said when. He's saying, mate, you do your thing. Timing's not your bag. Right? You do your own and relax because at the end of the days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. What he says is, God's got this. 
This is what the end times big thing is about, is God's got this. Yes, things will be tough. Yes, there'll be all this hairy stuff, but in the God's, remember, in the big story, God will make all things new. And that's God's story, and it's your story too. That it, God's got this. It will get sorted. The one who makes things right will make things right. Which means that actually this stuff about end times should make us hopeful. The trouble is that when we read it, we see the big beasts and the, those, they're really graphic images and we focus on them. And we focus less on the fact that there's a God who is in charge. That in amongst the power struggles, God has this. But let's be honest, that's not good enough for us, is it? If it's prophecy, it must predict the future. And so here's how it goes. Uh, despite the fact that Daniel, when he is asking about timing, he's told no, what we've tended to do is go and read it and interpret it as timing. Now, has anyone ever heard of Hanukkah? What's Hanukkah? It's a Jewish festival. Do you know what it's celebrating? It is celebrating the rededication of the temple after a revolution. And the king that they rebelled against for this was this guy here, Antiochus, Antiochus IV. He was a particularly odious king. He was in the habit of stamping down on the Jews every chance he could. Every day he would take a Jew, uh, uh, um, take them into the temple that he had sort of trashed, and say, uh, ask him to renounce the Jewish faith, and if he didn't, he would be that Jew would be executed. He did that every day which is the lead-in to a revolution, the Maccabean revolt, and the temple gets recaptured by the Jews, and that, when the Jews celebrate Hanukkah, which is their version of Christmas, kind of, that's what they're celebrating, a physical event that actually happened. And so for quite a number of people, they think that what Daniel is writing about with the multiple kingdoms is this, Antichrist IV. Which means that as a good Jew, you could now stop reading Daniel, couldn't you? Because it's been fulfilled, Right? Some people are nodding, other people are thinking, you're trying to trap me. Okay? Well, for some people, that wasn't it. For other people, they've read it as, actually, it's during the time of Titus and the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in um, 70 years after Jesus' death. There's another bit of a revolution and the Jerusalem temple gets... The trouble is that the dates don't quite add up for either. You can find people who write about either. And if you go down the wormhole of trying to figure out the exact dates, I reckon you're going to be as confused as Daniel. But the Jews never abandoned Daniel. They kept rereading it. And in fact, it's in our culture. Have you ever heard a song about Babylon? The songs about Babylon. Bob Marley would sing about Babylon as the symbol of the evil empire, the one that doesn't care about people. And when the Jews keep rereading Daniel, they say, well... Are we representing Babylon? Are we being the evil guys here? And so that was absolutely um, legitimately applied to Rome. Babylon, a self-serving empire about its own glory. You can apply that to the Roman Empire. You could apply it to Hitler. You can actually apply it to anyone in power. And one of the questions is, what are you doing with your power? Are you acting like Babylon? Are you all about your own self-glory? And then, of course, the Christians come and they go, Hang on, this has got to be about Jesus. And the funny thing is, Jesus never calls himself the Messiah. We think he did, 
but actually he let other people do that. The title he claimed for himself is a title that comes out of Daniel. He called himself the Son of Man. It's used 86 times in the New Testament, and it actually comes from the Old Testament from Daniel 7, where Daniel sees a vision at night, and before me was one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, which is what we sang about. A kingdom that will not be destroyed. So we know there's some link between Daniel's prophecy and Jesus. And people build a lot from that. But I'm wanting to do the overview. What have we noticed in this? First of all, there are spiritual struggles going on that we don't see clearly. In that middle section, though in the West, we're not particularly good at talking about. Okay? We, we, it's not our default struggle. And in Daniel, you see that there are angels fighting powers who trying to travel to tell Daniel, and he says, hey, look, I was fighting this. So there's more going on than meets the eye. There are dates and numbers in Daniel that are just pretty confusing. Um, and actually, Daniel is confused by them. Perhaps that's part of the point. If you have someone who teaches you about Daniel and says they've got it all sewn up, well, I reckon you should sew them up and send them back. Because them forgetting that Daniel, who's having a direct revelation, is confused about it. There is clearly evil acknowledged in all the apocalyptic literature. There is this sense of this stuff is wrong, and what the, this literature says is it's for a time. It does not end that way. Throughout it, God stays in control. Now, if you're reading in Daniel chapter 9, there's this vision. Remember the vision with the lion? Well, actually, in the text it says, the lion with the wings of the evil and the mind of a human was given to it. So here's my question. Who gave the beast the mind of a human? Well, the second beast is told to get up and, is told to get up and eat your fill of flesh. Who told it that? The third beast is told it was given authority to rule. Who's doing this? Throughout all these horrors that are described, God is giving out authority. God is still in control. Kingdoms come and go, but there's a good one, God's one, coming. Which means my summary of the end times from Daniel is this. God's got this. And God's got you. And that should give us courage. Even in the face of horrors, God's got this. That works if you're a Jew being rounded up to be put in a concentration camp. God's got this. It does, the story does not end here. God will fix this. Maybe not in your lifetime. And that's why this should be good news. More good news than how we speak about it. More good news than the movies can make it. It should unite us and give us hope, not divide us into groups about when this happens and that happens and the dates. And No, no. God's got this and God has got you. So I started by playing you a provoking video of a rapper who's writing about the evil in this world. Yep, and fair enough. I'm going to play you another video of a rapper. Apologies. This is a Christian, a Canadian rapper called Shad. He's also writing about how do you respond to violence 
and evil. But Shad has a Christian faith. And so he starts, when he starts, I'll just give you a little intro. He says, I see people run, so they run. They see people duck, so they duck. They just keep on killing us. I've put the words of the wrap-up so you can watch it. What I'd like you to notice is the difference between the first one, the first one which is harsh and nasty and trying to shock us at the state of evil, and this one that is woven with hope. And in the middle of the song, is where I got the language from, he says, um, he says, God's, you got this? God's got this. Right? And the song is called, um, it's called the full part one, um, but the chorus goes, get it, got it, good. Okay? God's got this. Let's have a go and see how it goes. Takes a little while for the music to start. They see people run, so they run. They see people die, so they die. But these moments Get it? Got it? Good. Got it good. They can't kill us cause they can't see us cause they only see Get it, got it good. They can't kill us cause they can't see us cause they only see Get it, got it good. Damn it feels good to be back. Damn it feels good to be black. They keep on killing us, we just keep killing it. Mama said killing is not where the ailing is. Gonna speak back. Lord knows she been through it. She said a human is not who the villain is. She said it's fear. It's greed and it's pride. You see it inside. That's what the system is built on and what it Creators create and let the creator be judge. I mean, too many mistakes to be grudging. Besides, all of us lost without love. Cause maybe some never get woke or tired of staying awake or party all night and distraught at the state of the day. But what do you make of this way that I'm walking this path that I'm on? You made a way for me. Hope that my map isn't wrong. Nowadays, my legs is weak. What if my staff isn't strong? What if it breaks? We'll get together and celebrate I can do everything, I just don't hesitate I can do anything Allow me to demonstrate I just can't wait, I just cannot be me I just can't go back and copy me I just cannot be free, I just can't possibly Lessons on lessons, legends on legends on legends Little black boy with a poem that he showed to the reverend Jesus saw Judas and ran up to hug the young brother And dug at the other eleven Like why is this traitor in heaven? He said it's hell on earth, anywhere love isn't present Wherever he goes, we go together my brother
I'm not asking you to like that. I'm asking you to feel that that is lifting, that that is saying to you, in the midst of no matter how bad life is for you, you got this? God, you got this? You got me? Just ask God. You got me, God? That's a prayer for God to grab for you and for you to trust that God will work through you. And that is where those tough books of Daniel should leave us. Knowing that, what's the line? Let the, hold on. Let the, honestly, the haters can hate, but let the creators create and let the creator judge. Trust that God will see it through. And that prayer me too, for me is, who got me? You got me, God. I know you got me, good. So while the team comes up, I'm just going to pray. They're going to lead us in a few songs. Right now, for all of us, God, we want to be able to say, who got me? You got me, God. You got me. You got me through the hard times and the good. You got me, all of me. And we want to trust you, God to throw our lives, our hearts, our souls, our dreams, our hopes, even our pain and failure on you because you are good and gracious and loving and you got us and you will see it through and you will lift our head. And one day that label end times will be something that makes our hearts leap with joy because it's about us being with you. Amen.